0: Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. Have you ever wondered if God still works in the world today? Well, the answer is, He does. And John will help us see that in his message, God Works in Mysterious Ways.
1: I want to talk to you today about how God works in unexpected ways in our lives. In fact, God works in mysterious ways in our lives. There's an old hymn that says, God works in mysterious ways, His wonders to perform. He plants His footsteps in the sea and rides Upon the storm. Now, the setting for that biblically, of course, was when the children of Israel had come out of Egypt. They were headed to the promised land, but they got to the Red Sea and they were stuck. The Red Sea was too big to swim across, and the Egyptian army was in hot pursuit following them. They couldn't go forward. They couldn't go backwards. They couldn't go left or right. And so God supernaturally parted that Red Sea and made it possible for his children to go through on dry land. Each of us here today, if we had time, and I wish we did, we could just take that microphone and pass it across this room, and each of us could testify of times in our lives when we have been at a dead end. We couldn't go forward, and we couldn't go back, and yet God made a way where there seemed to be no way. That is who God is. Now, in our scripture today, it's a little different imagery, but it is the same point. And before we look at the scripture, let me kind of give you the background of what is happening here. The king of Moab, who up until this point in the story, had, had a good relationship with the king of Israel. But there came a time when the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel and wanted to fight against him. So Moab versus Israel. The king of Israel was very concerned about this, and so he went to the king of Judah, a man named Jehoshaphat, a good and godly king, and he said, would you please form an alliance with me, two are better than one, if we can hook up, we have a better chance of defeating the Moabites. Jehoshaphat said, yes, I will. Well, as they were forming that alliance, they ended up enlisting another king, the king of Edom, and basically said to him, if two are better than one, three are better than two, and so... If the three of us could partner up, the kings of Israel, uh, Judah, and and Edom, if we could partner up and we could go fight against the Moabites, then we could more than likely beat them because our armies will be bigger than theirs. Well, in 2 Kings chapter 3, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but look at the end of verse number 5. It says, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. Verse 7, then he, that is the king of Israel, went and sent to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, saying, the king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you you go with me to fight against Moab? He said, I will go up. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Then he said, which way shall we go up? And he answered, by way of the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. And they marched on that roundabout route seven days. Now watch this. And there was no water for the army nor for the animals that followed them. And so as these three kings are leading their army into Moab, they are out in the desert. The New King James says wilderness. It is actually a desert. It is dry. And in that desert was absolutely no water. Well, the kings knew we can't survive with no water. A human being can't survive long at all without water, much less our army and much less these animals, and so they were in a very difficult spot. Some of you today, before we read on in this, you may feel like you are in the desert, you're in a dry place, and you're going around in circles. And you can't find any water to drink. Well, that was the case here. Verse 10. And the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Now, the king of Israel was not a godly king. We read earlier in this chapter that, in fact, he was an evil, wicked king. He didn't have a relationship with God, and he had no faith. And so when he looked at these circumstances, in the desert, no water, he wrongly concluded that God was against them, that God had abandoned them. And so he looked at his situation with no faith, and he became hopeless. But in verse 11, we read that Jehoshaphat, the good and godly king, looked at the same situation... But through the eyes of faith, and through the eyes of faith, he saw something completely different. Here's what he said. Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? Jehoshaphat said, we need a preacher. We need the man of God. We need a prophet. We need somebody who knows God, who knows God's word, and who can tell us what to do in this dire and desperate situation that we are in. So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. That's just another way of saying that Elisha was Elijah's assistant. And he assisted him. And so Elisha, the man of God, is in this area. Verse 12, Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. In other words, Elisha is saying to the king of Israel, if you weren't with Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't give you the time of day. You're not a believer. You don't walk with God, worship God, serve. You don't even believe in God. And I wouldn't give you the time of day, but since you're with Jehoshaphat, I'm going to seek God on your behalf. Verse 15, now bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. Elisha said in other words what I need is a musician to come in here and to begin to play some worship music for me some praise music for me because in that setting my mind will be clear I will be undistracted I will be able to focus and I will be able to hear the word of the Lord Elisha knew that God would speak to him if the setting was right and God indeed did speak verse 16 tells us what God said to Elisha, and then what he said to these three kings. Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water, that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. The NIV says this is an easy thing in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. And you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly water came by way of Edom And the land was filled with water. And when the Moabites heard that the kings had come up to fight against Edom, all who were able to bear arms and older were gathered, and they stood at the border. Then they rose up early in the morning, and the sun was shining on the water. And the Moabites saw the water on the other side as red as blood. And they said, this is blood. The kings have surely struck swords and have killed one another. Now, therefore, Moab to the spoil." So when they came to the camp of Israel, Israel rose up and attacked the Moabites so that they fled before them and they entered their land, killing the Moabites. Now, here's the situation. They're in the desert. They don't have any water. And so they seek out the man of God. The man of God says, dig some ditches, God will send the water. That's exactly what happened. So the water took care of their physical need for water. They were able to quench their thirst, but the water served another purpose. When the king of Moab looked across the valley there and saw the water, the way the sun was coming across the water in those ditches that had never been there before, the reflection of that appeared red. And he concluded that these three kings had killed each other, that their armies had turned on each other. And so he went to try to get the spoil and all the possessions from these three kingdoms. But he was wrong. The kings hadn't killed each other, they were very much alive. The water really wasn't red, it just appeared red to him. God made it look like that. And so God did two things at the same time He supplied their need for water, and it was a setup to defeat the Moabites. Now, that is the story. And I read that story several months ago. And when I did, I said, God, that I just thought to myself, that story speaks to me because all of us can relate, I certainly can, to being in the desert, not understanding what God might be doing in our lives, not understanding why God might allow us to be where we now are, and not able to find water. That is, not able to find that thing in life, that peace, that joy that we need spiritually to sustain us just like water sustains us physically. Now, when you read your Bible, and when I read my Bible, and I hope we read it every day, you're going to come across different things. Sometimes you read the Bible and you come across a command, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's a command. When you read a command in, your, in the Bible, the wise thing to do is to obey that command. Sometimes we read our Bible, we come across a promise My God shall supply all your needs. My grace is sufficient for you. I will never leave you. And we come, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. We come across a promise. When God leads you to a promise, claim the promise. Believe the promise. Sometimes in our reading of the Bible, we come across a principle. It's not really a promise. It's kind of like a promise, but it's just a principle that this is how life works. For example, there's the principle in Scripture of sowing and reaping. The Bible says we reap what we sow. If we sow purity, we reap good things. If we sow sin, we reap bad things. If we sow love and mercy and forgiveness and kindness, then we reap love and mercy and forgiveness and kindness for others. As we do to others, so it will be done unto us. And so there's a law of sowing and reaping. So when you read that principle in the Bible, we have to apply that to our life. Say, God, I want to sow good seeds. The Bible says in Proverbs 11, there is a person who gives away a lot of what he has and yet he gets more in return. There's another person who's tight and stingy and doesn't give anything away, and yet he loses what he has. It's a principle in Scripture. It is more blessed to give than to receive. We have to apply that principle. Sometimes in the Bible, we come across a warning. We have to heed that warning, and and if it says don't do something, we don't need to do it. But sometimes in your Bible reading, you're going to come across not a command or a promise, or a principle, or a warning, but you're going to read a story like we just read today. Three kings in the desert, no water. The man of God told them what to do, problem solved. And so when we read a story in the Bible, what we have to begin to ask is after we comprehend the story and understand what the Bible is actually saying, after we know what happened in Scripture, we have to begin to ask ourselves this question, what is the lesson for me? What are the lessons for me? What is God saying to me through this particular story? Now, that's what I've been thinking about all last week as I was thinking about this sermon today. God, we can all identify in the desert, no water. Go to the man of God, get a word from God, do what he says, problem solved, need met. God, how do we apply this in our lives today? And so I want to mention some things. If you're a note taker, if you have your bulletin, you might want to fill these blanks in. But here are the lessons that I see when I read and think about this story. Lesson number one is simply this. Whatever you're facing in your life right now, it is a simple matter to the Lord. Now, it may not be simple to you, it may seem complicated to you, but to the Lord, it is a simple matter. Look again in verse 18, and this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. Again, the NIV says this is an easy thing. And so, if I were reading this scripture in my own quiet time, and like I did months ago, when I finished my quiet time, I would take that phrase, a simple matter, And I would meditate on that phrase throughout the day. And I would say, God, this mess I'm in right now, this situation I'm in right now, seems complicated to me, seems hopeless to me, seems like I don't have a move on the table. But God, I just want to thank you that to you, it is a simple matter. What is complicated to us is a simple matter to God. Now, lesson number two is just as important and the reason that the whatever you're facing is simple for the lord is because of lesson number 2 and that is this god can provide exactly what you need god sent water when they needed water now the interesting thing about this he didn't send wind and he didn't send rain had i been one of those three kings and elisha said to me something amazing is about to happen there'll be no wind and there'll be no rain But God's about to send the water once you dig the trenches, once you dig out the ditches. I think I would have said to Elisha, Elisha, or I might would have said to God, I might have said, God, how are you going to send water if you don't send rain? We have to have rain in order for there to be water. And God would have said in response to that, I don't have to have rain in order for there to be water. I'm God and I can have water however I want to have water. The same way God would say that I created light on day one, and didn't create the sun, moon, and stars till day four of creation. God says, I'm not dependent on the sun, moon, and stars to have light. There was light three days before I created the sun, the moon, and the stars. And so I want you to see this. God works certainly powerfully, and, but he works mysteriously and unexpectedly. And sometimes God does things in our lives that we would never expect him to do. Look again in verse 20. Because I want you to notice the timing of what happened here. It says, now it happened in the morning... When the grain offering was offered, that suddenly, underline that word suddenly, that suddenly water came by way of Eden, of Edom and filled the land with water. The land was filled with water. Think about this. As these people were praising God, this must have been Jehoshaphat's army at this time, offering up their praises, offering up their offerings to God. As they were praising God, that's when the need was met and that's when the water was supplied. Have you noticed in your life That when you are spending time like you are today in church, you are in church when you could be at a movie, you could be home, you could be at Galveston, you could be anywhere in the world, you could be playing golf today, fishing today, but you're in the house of God. Have you noticed when you put yourself, whether it's corporately like this or privately at home, in the presence of God to hear from His Word? to spend time, extended time in prayer and praise of God, that it is during those moments that God speaks to you, that God gives you insight, that God meets your need. Lesson number three, then we'll look at it. When you're out there in the desert of life, when you're down in the valley, you have to dig some ditches if that's what God tells you to do. Now look again in verse 16. And Elisha, this is the man of God, He said this, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Elisha said, what I want y'all to do is dig some ditches because there's going to be some water coming, not through rain, not not a windstorm bringing in clouds. There's going to be water. But before there's water, you've got to dig some ditches. And in the digging of those ditches, God will see that as an act of faith. And God will see that you are doing what you're supposed to do. And when you do what God tells you to do, then he will do what only he can do. You can't send the water. Only God can do that. But you can dig the ditch. Have you noticed in the Bible and in life, God will never do what he expects you to do. When Jesus went to the grave of Lazarus, to that tomb, You see, only Jesus could bring Lazarus from death to life. But before he did that, he said to those gathered around that tomb, roll the stone away. That was something they could do. And when they did what they could do, God did what only he could do. God told these three kings, you dig the ditches. What is a ditch? A ditch is a a water canal. A ditch is something that is dug to hold water. And so when they were digging those ditches, they were digging those ditches by faith and saying, we'll do what we can do, and we're going to believe and trust that God will do what only God can do. Sometimes in our lives, we have to dig ditches. It'd be interesting today. And this is when I'm up here preaching, looking around at everybody. I just wonder, like, what is really going on in your life? What is in your mind? What is in your heart? What is happening in your family? What is happening in your life? I wish I could see that. I, I can't. God knows, but I don't know. But could it be today that there's some here in this service who have lost their joy, who have no direction in life, who have no peace in life, who are restless, who are, you know, you're just going through maybe even Depressed. And this is where you are today in your life, and you're trying to figure out what to do. Listen, when when, when we've all been there, but when you get like that, if we will dig a ditch, God will send the refreshing water. We have to do our part, and then God will do His part. You know, as I mentioned spiritually, this is certainly true. Let me close with this story. You still listen? Say Amen. I want to tell one story, then I'm going to stop. Back in the 1700s, there was a man named William Cowper, C-O-W-P-E-R. He was a Christian but he was not living a victorious Christian life. He had bouts of depression. On four separate occasions, he tried to take his own life. But each time, God supernaturally intervened and would not let him kill himself. After the fourth time, he said, I've got to do something to get my life right. I can't keep living like this. I'm, I'm depressed, I'm down, and things are so bad that I can't. seemingly I can't even end my own life. He came under the influence of John Newton. John Newton is known to us today as the preacher who wrote Amazing Grace. John Newton got saved later in life, became a preacher, was a wonderful man of God. And these two men's paths crossed. Now, Newton at that time was not pastoring a church in London. He was pastoring a church a little bit away. And yet, William Cowper was so impressed and so convinced that John Newton was a true man of God. That he knew God. That he knew the Word of God. That Cowper moved from London to the city where Newton pastored so that he could sit under his preaching ministry. And as he did that, he develops a relationship with Newton and he shared with Newton about his depression and and his defeated life and no joy and no peace. And John Newton said, he said, William, you are already one of the greatest poets in England. But you write largely about nature and it's beautiful and it does give God credit and all. He said, "But I sense in my spirit that you're healing. Your emotional healing, your deliverance. You're being set free from the bondage of this depression and this fear and this anxiety. Your freedom will be found as you write out how you feel. And as you write out what God is doing in your life. Your healing will come through your writing. Maybe that's a word from God for somebody today. He said, I encourage you, don't just write poems about nature. Start writing songs about God. And so Cowper began to write songs, hundreds of songs, perhaps the most well-known song, at least in our day. We've heard it. If we've grown up in the church, we know it. We don't know who wrote it, but I'll tell you who wrote it. William Cowper wrote this song, based out of Zechariah chapter 13. There is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. You see, when Cowper began to realize that God had forgiven him of his sins, and when his guilt was washed away, he wrote a song about it. And through that song, his cleansing, his forgiveness, his salvation became even more real to him. But he wrote another song in that day as he reflected on what God had done in his life, how he had on four occasions tried to kill himself. He was unsuccessful of that. God caused him to hook up with John Newton. He sat under his preaching. He knew he was in the presence of a man of God. And through that relationship, Newton said to him, you need to write not just poems. You need to write songs to God. Write some hymns about God. And when Cowper had been delivered from his depression and that cloud had lifted off of him and he reflected back on what God had done in his life, the man who had been so depressed that he tried to kill himself is now so free that he's encouraging others. And that's when he wrote the song that I quoted at the beginning of the message. God moves in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. He plants His footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. I'm saying to you today, friend, in your desert where there is no water there's god and if you will dig the ditch whatever that means in your context god will send the water and god's grace will more than see you through amen
0: we hope that today's broadcast has been a blessing to you you can find this message god works in mysterious ways along with many others under the broadcast tab on our website, www.peacebybelieving.org. We would love for you to keep up with us on social media. Just search for Peace by Believing Ministries. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.